Welcome to Victory Today. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure that you do that. And I want to thank those of you who have shared this podcast with your friends. You've encouraged others to listen to it. That is so awesome. You know, we can partner together in that simple way to see God do some awesome things in other people's lives. You know, last time we talked about the fact that your thoughts set the direction of your life, that it's your way of thinking, especially those core values, those underlying beliefs about life that really do shape you. And so my passion is to help people renew their minds to the things of God. I want them to renew their minds to his word. I want them to learn how to receive all of the blessings that Jesus won for us. And I'm committed to doing that. Because I see so many people today that are limping along in the Christian life. They're not enjoying victory. They're not getting over stuff. Instead, they're struggling with fear and worry and they're dreading the future. But friend, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that at all. I know because I've been in that place of defeat and discouragement where I wasn't living the victorious Christian life and I wasn't experiencing the blessings of God. But that was because I'd embraced a whole lot of religious ideas, wrong thinking, stuff that was preventing me from enjoying my new life in Christ. Now, it took some personal responsibility to want to change. It took some discipline, some humility to recognize that a whole lot of the things that I'd chosen to believe were not according to the word of God. And it took some perseverance on my part to act on what I was learning and to reinforce that day after day after day. And I've got to tell you, in this area, consistency is the key. When it comes to your faith, consistency is so, so important. And the more that I did that, the more that I started to renew my mind to the truth, the more that I started to experience the things that previously I'd only read about in the Word of God, great stuff started happening in my life. So that is really what I want for you. I want to encourage you, don't just listen to these podcasts and just go, oh, that was a great podcast. I was encouraged today. No, determine purpose in your heart. I'm going to act on this word. I'm going to share this with people in my life who I know could do with some victory for themselves. Let's just not keep this to ourselves. If God's using these messages to challenge your thinking, get you into the word, stir up your faith, then share that with some friends so that they can be blessed as well. That's why I say that this is a partnership. I mean, you may not have been gifted or called to preach and teach the word of God. Maybe that's not your calling. God's got other spaces and places for you to impact, and that's wonderful. But he has called me to study and write and record these messages. That's what I can do. But I don't have access to the people in your world. You do, right? You've built trust with them. You've done life with them. So when you recommend that they listen to these messages, or you send them the link, or you tell them it'd be helpful, we are both doing what we can do to partner in kingdom business. Does that make sense? And so, as I explained last time, nobody is going to start walking in victory and blessing and abundance if they've got a mindset that says, God's withholding from me. He's unhappy with me. He's disinterested. He's too busy. He's a mean God, a vengeful God, a harsh God. If someone believes that, and sadly many people do, It's actually going to keep them in a place of lack. 
It's going to keep them in a place where they feel condemned, where they're trying to perform, where they're bound up with legalism and religiosity, all manner of bad things. And why is that? Well, it's because their fundamental beliefs, their thinking, just serves to reinforce this idea that God is not happy with them, that there's always more to do to try and appease God or to get his attention, or to get him to do something for them. That mindset, in in all of its various formats, really is the reason why so many believers enjoy less than God's best. It's why so many today are caught up in performance and religion, and why people outside of the faith look at Christianity and they're not interested. Why is that? Well, because they're like, well, God's angry. God's mad. He's angry with people. And then they hear somebody say, God's going to send you to hell for your mistakes. God's going to send you to that place for your sins. And they're like, well, if that is the Christian God, why would I want anything to do with that? But friend, we saw last time that this perception that if there is a God, he's angry. He's against people. He's sending earthquakes and tornadoes. He's he's sending terrible things to punish us for our sins. That picture, that skewed picture of God has been perpetuated. It's been promoted by our enemy, the devil, for thousands and thousands of years because it's just so effective. It keeps people in darkness. Can you see that? It keeps people in a place where they're prevented from enjoying the life and the intimacy and the abundance and blessing that Jesus came to provide. Because they don't think that they're entitled to it. Because they see God in this place where, you know, even after all the good things that they attempt for him, he's still waiting to catch them doing the wrong thing. So let's talk about that today. Because if you're anything like me, You've embraced some of those kind of thoughts about God in the past. Or or maybe you still think that way and, and you're unsure whether what I'm saying is right or not. And if that's where you're at, can I encourage you, please check what I'm saying with the word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because I believe if you'll do that, if you'll take this back to Scripture, you will understand some radical things. You'll experience breakthroughs in your thinking. So we looked last time at 2 Corinthians 5.18, which says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Okay, that tells us some very important stuff. Firstly, it tells us that God was angry with us. Okay? God was actually angry with humanity. He he was ticked off. He was affronted by sin. You read your Old Testament. God would get angry with people for breaking the law or engaging in some kind of prohibited behavior. And and you, you read it. He would wipe them out. The ground would open up and swallow them. They'd get bitten by poisonous snakes. They'd come out in boils and sores. The land would dry up. There'd be a terrible famine. Maybe an army would sweep in and take the people into slavery. You can read your Bible and see very, very clearly that God hates sin, that he punishes sin, that he punishes disobedience. As a holy God, He can't tolerate that. He he won't operate in a person's life who's engaging in it. 
no doubt about it, sin was a big, big problem for people under the law. And they went to incredible lengths through all the sacrifices, the offerings, the ceremonies, the priests, to atone, at least for a little while, for their sins as a people. Some of you would remember the movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember that movie? Remember how they found the Ark of the Covenant and it was this super powerful box. And if anyone touched the Ark or they opened it, it would just kill everybody in the immediate vicinity. Remember that movie? Well, there's actually some truth to that. You read your Old Testament and you'll see how one day when some oxen were pulling a cart with the Ark of the Covenant on top of it, they went over a bump and the Ark of the Covenant slipped and this guy lunged for it. You know, he was trying to steady the Ark. He didn't want it to fall on the ground. And so he lunged for it to stop it from falling and he touched it and instantly he was killed by God. Now, we read that and go, man, that was some pretty tough consequence. He was only trying to do the right thing. Well, the message to the people was clear. God is awesome and powerful, and he is not to be messed with. And the Ark of the Covenant was that place where his tangible presence was experienced. And so when that guy did what appeared to be the right thing, the message to the people was that God is not someone to be messed with. And so if you read that and then you get to the end of your Old Testament and you think, well, the only difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is a blank sheet of paper and just everything stays the same. That's when we get messed up. That's when we miss the truth. You see, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, we read that some shepherds were out on a hillside one night when all of a sudden an angel appeared to them. And the angel said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And we hear that passage recited, don't we, at Christmas time. And we see the image of that on Christmas cards of the angels and the shepherds and the kids all dress up for the nativity play. But if we're not careful, we can so easily miss the astonishing revelation that the angels actually announced there. You know, when I was a kid, every year we'd have a Christmas anniversary service. We'd all get dressed up and someone would read the Christmas story. And I remember one year, my friend David and I were both cast as shepherds and we had on our brown bathrobes. We had our sandals on. We had those beards made of cotton wool that were sort of stuck together. Uh, we also had shepherd's crooks and they were made out of broom handles with a styrofoam crook on the end painted brown. Now, I don't remember exactly what caused the disagreement between David and myself, but we started sword fighting with our shepherd's crooks in front of the whole congregation. They are all trying to listen to the Christmas story, and we're having a sword fight with our shepherd's crooks. And the thing got so heated that I smashed the end of his crook off because it was just polystyrene. And so he launched at me, and there we were wrestling around on the ground until our parents came and grabbed us and removed us from the scene. 
It was a pretty crazy thing, but we were just kids. But my point was that most of us are so familiar with the nativity scene that we can actually miss, in, in, in the amazement of all of that, we can miss the significance, friend, of what was being announced. Because having declared that a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, would be born, the Bible says that in response to that proclamation, there was this multitude of angels that appeared from heaven and they began to praise God. And listen to it again. This is what they said. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Now, I know we don't use that word goodwill very much these days. And that's why a bunch of the modern translations say peace to all men. And yet, if you think about it, Jesus' coming didn't bring peace, did it? In fact, Jesus said, you know, I've come to bring not peace, but the sword. So they said peace, goodwill to all men. And yet Jesus came and it was like things got worse in the natural. So what's going on here? Well, Jesus didn't come to usher in a season of peace and prosperity and the removal of the Roman Empire. In fact, if anything, as I said, Jesus' coming only stirred up more trouble, more dissent, more angst than it brought peace. If you read the Gospels, you'll see how the Jews had been looking for so long for this Messiah that when he came in the flesh, they couldn't reconcile the fact that he didn't gather an army that he didn't go out and defeat the Romans because that's what they understood about the one who was promised. That he would defeat all of their enemies, that he would free all the captives, that he would usher in this wonderful season of peace and prosperity. But instead, when Jesus came onto the scene, he, he never assembled an army. He never trained soldiers. He never mounted an attack on the Romans. Instead, he was arrested as a common criminal, the Bible says. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was paraded through the streets. He was given the most undignified execution of the day possible. That was to be crucified on a wooden cross. So did the angels get it all wrong? No, not at all. Friend, what the angels were declaring is exactly the same as what we just read from Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.18. You see, when they declared peace and goodwill towards men, they were announcing that Jesus had come to bring reconciliation between God and man. That Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he had come to pay the penalty for our sin so that God would no longer have to deal with us as he had previously. They were saying that Jesus had come to establish a friendship between us and God. He'd come to enable us to be friends with God. Think about that. He'd come to appease God's wrath so that you and I could receive God's love. He had come to take our sin on himself so that we could draw close to God, so that we could come right into his presence with confidence and assurance, rather than being terrified that he was going to smite us for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, 
Listen to it. It says, For he, talking of God, made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. Why? Why did he do that? So we could go to heaven when we die? Well, not really. That's awesome. But that's not why Jesus became sin for us. Why? Why did he do that? So that we, the Bible says, might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that awesome? That's saying, friend, that the reason Jesus went to the cross, the reason he came in the first place, the reason he endured the whipping and the beating and the mocking, the reason he had nails put through his hands and his feet, the reason he was willing to bear in his body your sin and mine and the sins of this whole world, the reason he did that, was to end the war that existed between God and mankind. He did it to forever satisfy the justice that God had demanded for our sin. He did it to wipe out forever that sin debt that each one of us owed and to enable us to enjoy intimacy with our Creator. That, friend, is very, very good news. And that's why it's called the good news, because that is what Jesus did. He paid the price. He appeased God's wrath. He cancelled that sin debt out that was against your name and everyone else's name. And he made the way possible for everyone who believes to become the righteousness of God. And how do we become the righteousness of God? Is it through our performance, through our efforts, through our religious piety? No, it says that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him. Because of him. Are you catching this? Not because we deserve it. No, not because we got it right. Not because of our religious activity. Not because of our performance. No, because of him. We are clean today because of him. Praise God. We are righteous today, friend. That means we are in right standing with God because of him. It is all because of Jesus, friend. It is all because of him. God is not upset with you. He delights in you. And that is because Jesus came and he appeased God's wrath. He paid every price that needed to be paid, not just to cover your sin, like they used to in the Old Testament with the blood of animals. The Bible said it would cover their sins. It was a symbol of what Jesus would come to do in the future when he shed his blood. In the Old Testament, it was, it was just symbolic. Their sins were covered. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, when Jesus came and he paid that ultimate sacrifice, friend, he didn't just cover your sin. He blotted it out, canceled it out. And the Bible says God will remember it no more. I want you to know today. God's not upset with you. God's not disappointed with you. He delights in you. And we're going to talk more about the astonishing implications of that next time. Well, thank you so much for listening. I would encourage you, visit our website, newboldministries.com, because right now, 
We've got discounts available for a number of my books that I believe will help you to triumph over fear, defeat anxiety, and become absolutely worry-proof in your life. And that's a good thing, right? Also, take a look at what we're doing missionally in Cambodia, where we're educating 100 street kids to become the next generation of leaders in that nation, and consider becoming a partner with us. I I would encourage you, pray about that. Consider partnering with us to see freedom and victory come to more people's lives. Well, have a great day, and I'll talk to you again real soon.